can you believe this? This is the God that died for us, says you are so lethargic, you are not hot nor cold, you're of no use at all, and you are lukewarm. I would spew thee out of my mouth. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Today on In Grace, we are going to be talking about the end times in our series, Armageddon's Dawn. Today's message is part four of a couple sermons I preached, What Does Jesus Think of My Church? As you know, the first three chapters of Revelation is about the revealing of Jesus, but he's speaking to the seven churches. I believe these are, of course, real churches in the day of John, as he was writing the revelation from the Isle of Patmos as he was in exile, Jesus is speaking to seven real churches that were in what was called Asia Minor. Today it's called Turkey. But I think also each of these churches fits a church age. Now, I'm not you know, dogmatic about them, but it certainly seems to fit that pattern because we're in the day of Laodicea, the day of the apostate church, the foolish church. But I also think that any church can have any of these features, whether good or bad. And so let us examine ourselves today in this day that we live and make sure that we're serving the Lord properly in the way he wants us to. And so I think you'll enjoy today's message as I begin talking about Jesus talking to the church of Sardis, and he talks about how they have not defiled their garments. And I'm going to start talking about how I'm always spilling coffee on myself and, and telling myself a little bit. I'm sure you never do that, right? But today we're going to get into all of this and more, and I think this is so important. Let me also say that we have a free prophecy chart called Armageddon's Dawn. Go to our website to get this. This is absolutely free. The website is ingraceradio.com, ingraceradio.com. You can also call us for your free prophecy chart, one 800 78 grace Any of you have trouble keeping your garments clean? I'm starting to wear coffee-colored ties. It's just so much better. I don't know. I used to be able to not spill, and then I would start to spill, but I would notice. Now I'm spilling, and I have no idea. I was eating salsa. Karen and I were at a Mexican place a few weeks ago. I must have been having a grand old time because when I got home... I looked down and I had like salsa all over me. I'm like, Karen, you know, you could have told me. She said, well, you were having such a great time and I thought you wanted it for later. So, oh my goodness. And we soil, we get our clothes dirty and, and we're stained, but there's gonna be a day when we'll have that white garment. Won't that be wonderful? It'll be so pure white. You won't have to worry about washing it and laundry and, and all the detergents, I have this allergy. It's this craziest thing. If the detergent in the laundry has any type of fragrance, I'll have, if I wear that shirt or socks or whatever, I'll have a rash. And it's terrible. So we have to find fragrance-free detergent. So it's just such a terrible first world problem that we have. But every now and then, I'll get this rash and I'll say, honey, oh, sorry. We, we were traveling, and I got this or that, and man, there'd be a great day when you don't have to do laundry, amen? 
I found the best way to avoid laundry is um, do her laundry, uh, do her clothes. I did her clothes once, and I was told to never, ever touch the laundry machine again. So there's a day, there's a day that we'll have white. We won't have to worry about them being stained. Go back to verse 4. Not defile their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh. By the way, remember, the overcomer in these chapters are those that have received by faith the message of the gospel. They are saved. It's as if you're in heavenly places already. You are in Christ. He is in you through the Spirit. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. Yeah, you'll still soil yourself. You'll have to come back to the Lord frequently for confession of your faults and sins, and you want to maintain the fellowship. But none of that, when God looks at you, none of that does he see. He sees the pure white righteousness of Jesus Christ. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father, before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. William was a cobbler, and if you think that's a dessert, you're right, but that's not what he was. He was a cobbler. You have no idea what a cobbler is, do you? But in William's little workshop, and this was back in, in the 1700s, you could find all the tools of his trade, of course, and you would expect to find the tools of a cobbler in his workshop, but you'd also find a Bible, and you'd also find a copy of Captain Cook's Voyages. Another thing that people, as they entered William's cobble shop, they would see was a map. And the map was homemade, made out of paper and leather, but it was a map of the world. And William, as he cobbled shoes, would think about the world and think about the far-flung places that were darkened and, and suffering and hurting and desperately needing to hear the gospel. William was living at the end of the Sardis age. And in 1792, he preached a sermon. His sermon in Nottingham, England, was preached from Isaiah 54, verse 2. Look at that verse with me. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. And he just had this vision of bringing the gospel to the world as he was there cobbling shoes. Well, from that message, from that sermon, preached to the delegates of the Northamptonshire Baptist Association, William Carey was sent forth as their first missionary. And he went to India, and he learned six languages, and he preached the gospel faithfully to a continent that was so in need of salvation. And because of that, Thousands and thousands of people were saved. You have the dawning of the next age, the next church, and I love this church. If possible, I'd move to Philadelphia just to be called a Philadelphian. Philadelphia has a, a wonderful ring to it, at least to me. It was a, the city of brotherly love, the faithful church, the revived age. 
the church after the Protestant era before today's modern era. This is the church that I wish we could be, or perhaps we are. I hope it is. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, Revelation 3, 7, right. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. We love open doors. Somebody said it this way. The church doors cannot be shut. Prison doors cannot hold them. The gates of hell can't prevail against them. And God's treasure house itself is open to them. Certainly a door of witness and ministry is open to them as long as they are faithful. Wonderful words about the open door to the church of Philadelphia. Verse 8 continues, And no man can shut it. Thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word. By the way, if you think you've arrived and you got it all together and everything's going to be great, you have too much strength. You need to have a little strength. You need to say, I believe in a great God who can empower me. We need to stay faithful to that great God because he can do great things through a people that have a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name. We find no words of condemnation to Philadelphia. What an age this was in church history. William Carey the names of that age, Charles Finney, Charles Spurgeon, Jonathan Edwards, D.L. Moody, Charles Chinique, Hudson Taylor, R.A. Torrey, George Mueller. The names of people that were on fire for the Lord, letting God work through them. It was a wonderful time. And it was when America was the launching pad for missions. It is no longer you know where the launching pad for missions is today, at least it seems to me in my travels? The Philippines. And I hope that we have a fervency like a William Carey to say, yes, let's do that. Let's find a way to make sure this happens so we can reach the world. Let us never be cold like Sardis. May we be on fire like Philadelphia. Mom and dad, I believe, launched forth in 1971 47 years ago, to plant a Philadelphia church. If you want to learn more about the Bible's end-time prophecies, In Grace and Pastor Jim Scudder have great resources that will help you. First, we have a large prophecy chart that we will send you absolutely free. And when you give a gift of any amount, you'll also receive our eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, filmed in Israel. This series will give you a visual experience that will transport you to the very places mentioned in Revelation. We also would like to send you Pastor Jim's entire 43-sermon audio series, Armageddon's Dawn, on CD or MP3 for gifts of $30. Don't miss out on this opportunity to enrich your understanding of biblical prophecy. Contact In Grace today at 800-78-GRACE. That's 800-78-GRACE. Visit our website at ingraceradio.com or write to Ingrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Get your free prophecy chart and unlock the secrets of the end times today. Then we come to the last church. And I'd love to just skip right over this one. Laodicea. Laodicea, the final, the last church. Look back here at our map. This is the church the final one in our 
curve of churches and the panorama of history, we find ourselves, I believe, in the age of Laodicea. I believe we can see this as we look around the horizon at churches today. Laodicea, the foolish church, the apostate age. Revelation 3.14 says, And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, verse 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm. What in the world is lukewarm? Well, it's not hot and it's not cold. Neither hot nor cold. There were two cities that weren't far from Laodicea. One had a hot spring coming from it. One had a cold spring coming from it. By the time it got to Laodicea, both were lukewarm. I don't know about you, but I don't like lukewarm. I love something hot. Let's say coffee. Give me some hot coffee or give me some iced coffee. Do not let me take a sip of coffee that was hot, but it's been sitting a while. I take a big sip of it and it's lukewarm. I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's what Jesus said. He says, I will spew thee out of my mouth. In other words, you make me nauseous. Can you believe this? This is the God that died for us, says you are so lethargic, you are not hot nor cold, you're of no use at all, and you are lukewarm. I would spew thee out of my mouth. These churches would preach sermonettes to Christianettes. The model of these churches was come as you are, leave as you were. That's the church of Laodicea. That's the age in which I believe we are in right now. Someone wrote it this way. Religion is back by popular demand. Church has been streamlined, condensed, smoothed out, made palatable enough to meet what the public demands, not what God demands. The bands are playing. The flags are flying and everyone is invited to a hayride of happiness. Popcorn, peanuts, and paper hats. I really believe that is the church today. Laodicea. We have the, the examples of Sardis, cold church. We have the examples of Philadelphia, the hot church. But why would God say, I'd rather you hot or cold? Wouldn't he rather you not be cold? Wouldn't he rather you be on, on fire? Yes, of course. But he doesn't want you lukewarm. He doesn't want you lukewarm. The Laodicean church had a large and prosperous congregation, impressive facilities, great programming. But the church sought to be neutral on controversial matters, to maintain an open dialogue between the left and the right. They wanted to have recognition of the mighty and wealthy and the intelligentsia. It wasn't called to the vital truths of God, his creation, or his word, but neither would it take a firm stand and proclaim a true witness. Someone has said this, don't wrestle with a pig. The pig likes it and you both get dirty. We don't need to be compromising. We don't need to have some truth, but we're weak on that truth. And Jesus says to them, there's always hope, and I'm hoping that you're listening today, as many, verse 19 of Revelation 3, as many as I love, I rebuke. These were saved people. These were Christians in Laodicea. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You know, Jesus said, if I love you, if you're my children, I'll chasten you. That's an act of love. 
He says that in, in Proverbs 3 and 11. It says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. That doesn't mean hell. It just means that God is gonna get a hold of you and get your attention. And I hope that the church will be zealous, therefore, and repent as Jesus asks us to in this age that we live in. Let me end with a little parable that I wrote, and this is called the, the cotton candy parable. How many of you like cotton candy? All the young ones just raised their hands. A young man that grew up around people who thought food needs to taste good, but also be healthy and provide good nutrition, went to the culinary school that taught the same philosophy. But after graduation, he thought that he knew better. He didn't like to take stands and have people get mad, so he devised a cotton candy menu in his kitchen. For those he cooked for, he served for breakfast cotton candy-flavored Lucky Charms. For lunch, cotton candy and bologna. That sounds terrible. For dinner, cotton candy casserole. The kids loved it at first, but soon they grew lethargic and sick. And when this young man had to stand before the chief chef and answer for the way that he lived, he had to discover too late that appearances had been deceiving. Cotton candy is big and it's beautiful until you really try to sink your teeth into it. It dissolves into sugary nothing. And it leaves you weak and ineffective. That is the mentality of church today. And we have to be people that know God's word, believe God's word, and take a stand on God's word. That we realize that we and ourselves don't really have anything to offer God, but that's good because if we're still willing to offer ourselves to God in our weakness, he can be the strength and he can empower us and we can reach the world like Philadelphia did. Oh, I hope today that you will determine to be a Philadelphia Christian, not a Laodicea Christian, not a Sardis Christian. I hope today, as you look at all these seven churches, that you'll see the error of Ephesus, that they were doing the right things, but they, had, they weren't being motivated out of love anymore. That's the first step in all of this. We have to love the Lord and serve him out of love and then Smyrna, we don't have anything bad because they were under such intense persecution. We have no idea how good we have it. And maybe the lesson there should be, while God has given us protection from persecution, may we be good stewards of that and may we get out there and use the blessings that God has given us and the freedoms that God has given us. And let's pray for the persecuted church, the crown church. Then we have the compromising church of Pergamos and the corrupted church of Thyatira and the feeble church at Sardis and the faithful church at Philadelphia and the foolish church at Laodicea. What church is yours? May God bless our study of Armageddon's dawn, of the end times. And you say, when is, when is all this going to take place? Well, we don't know. But I know it's going to take place because the Bible is very clear that it will. The Bible has all the predictions that have come true by the hundreds affirm to me that the predictions that have yet to come true will. 
So we can take this and we can believe it and we can use this and say, Lord, please use me and give me a burden for the world. The lost world needs to hear the gospel. And that if God is calling you to bring that message to a lost land, a foreign land, that you'll say yes today for the Lord to use you in that way. And maybe God's not calling you to go, but God's calling you to contribute more of your abilities, your times, your finances to reaching the world. Let's do that. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Let's be hot for Christ. Let's do that. Because Jesus died for you He paid for your sins on a cross. He rose again. And because of that, let us serve him faithfully while we have breath and while we have time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, we all have sin and we are fallen short of the glory of God. That sin is separating us from God and that sin keeps us from heaven, and it it sends us to hell. You say, well, God, if he's good and love, he wouldn't send you to hell. Yeah, but he paid for that sin, and if you reject that gift, then you will spend eternity in hell. Therefore, there is hope, there is salvation. Jesus died for sinners, he paid for sin on a cross, and when you receive that, you are given eternal life. That message will save you from hell to heaven, if you believe in it. If you trust in Jesus who died for you, he's the son of God, he was perfect, yet he died for you, that's how much he loved you. And if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. On this side, we have Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's the same word as believe. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Receive the gift. And it says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Both Catholicism and Protestantism says today, generally, that it's of works. The Bible says it's free. Who will you believe? The Bible or man? It's free. It's a gift. It's not of works. No one will be boasting in heaven. I've arrived because I did something or I added to what Jesus already did. No, it's when we say, I can't save myself. I can't do anything myself. My good works are nothing but filthy rags. Therefore, I believe that Jesus died for me on a cross and rose again. When you do that, the Bible promises you something to give you right now everlasting life. I can't wait for the day when we're with Jesus. And now let me ask you this. Are you positive that you're on your way to heaven? Do you have any doubts about eternal life, about salvation? Do you have questions about this? We'd love to talk with you if you do. Give us a call at 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. If it's after hours, leave us a voicemail. We'll get back to you. Or anytime, day or night, you can go to ingraceradio.com. And there you can contact us with an email or You could also get some great resources and watch some great videos and listen to some other sermons that I think will really help you understand eternal life and this most important issue of heaven and hell. I also would love to equip you so that you'll be ready as these end times seem to be very close. I have a free prophecy chart and I'd like to send that to you again, just absolutely free. Just love to bless you and thank you for listening. You can go to our website to get that, ingraceradio.com, or you can call us 1-800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com, 1-800-78-GRACE. 
We also have two more resources in the Armageddon's Dawn Prophecy series. One is an eight-part video series. We filmed this all in Israel, in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount at Megiddo, where Armageddon is going to take place. And we have some really good Bible prophecy teachers on there as well, Joel Rosenberg and Randall Price and others. And this is for your gift of any amount to In Grace. Your gift will make sure more people hear the gospel. And we'll thank you by sending you the eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn. Now, we also have the full-length 43-part sermon series on audio, Armageddon's Dawn. And you can get that on our website, ingraceradio.com, ingraceradio.com. Or you can call us at 1-800-78-GRACE. Are you ready for an end times journey of biblical proportions? Get the stunning Armageddon's Dawn Prophecy Chart for free. Or give any amount and receive the incredible Armageddon's Dawn eight-part video series. Plus, you can order the 43-part audio preaching series. Contact InGrace today at 800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com, or write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us 800 78 Grace or go online ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.